Thought Bubble Audio. Hi, and welcome to Tolkien TV Talk, the podcast where three hyped hobbits keep you informed on everything you need to know about the upcoming Lord of the Rings Amazon series. I'm Tim, and with me today is only one hyped hobbit, and that person, his name is Bo. How are you today, Bo? Our fellowship is broken. Oh, the fellowship is failing. Everyone just <laughs> go get a drink. Oh, yes, no. So Andrew is not here. He could not be here this evening because he's doing... You know, good things for the world this week. You know, whatever. You know, building homes. No, and such uh, look. So. Yeah, that's all. That's all well and good. But I mean, here we sit for the first time in the history of the show. We actually have legitimate news to talk about, and he doesn't even show up. I, I mean, come know. on, man. That's 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 uh, that, that's not how we roll. We made a pact. We we offered up. I gave you my axe. He gave you his bow. I I am bow. I, I I gave you. I gave of myself. That's right. You did. You always give of yourself. You're a good person that way, Bo. Anyway. That's that's right. That's right. He offered his sword. You offered your axe. And I offered my bow, which is me. So there we go. There you go. Well, so, I I mean, we offered <laughs> objects and ourselves, I guess. But you just offered yourself. So no, just myself. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. you better offer some brain power because I have a couple of emails for uh, for us. If anybody would like to email us at TolkienTVTalk at gmail.com, feel free to do so. And this first one I want to direct over to you. Oh, all right. Let's uh, let's uh, let's let's hear it, man. I'm I'm excited. Is this party business? This is uh, par- well, I mean, it's fellowship business, you know. <laughs> so, any this is from AJ. Anyway, he says hello. I just listened to your seventh episode, and I don't understand how Thorin the Third works because didn't Thorin die as well as feeling Keeley? They were the only people with a direct line to Thorin. He only had one sister, and she only had two sons who didn't have any children either. Right? Or am I just not up to date on my lore? Thanks, AJ. So you are a lover of the dwarves, as we got from your pitch from the previous episode. So maybe yeah. you, maybe you can speak to this a little bit. Yeah, I was kind of letting the uh, the old dwarf loving uh, kind of show show pretty strong last episode. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's a great question, and you know I think that a, a lot of the times we kind of look at. Uh, lineages from a very linear type of way. I mean, after all, it's right there in the name. Uh, but, you know, one of the great things about the dwarves is there is a lot of love for people. There's a lot of love for family. Uh, you know, the, the dwarves often – how do I put this? I, I grew up here in Mississippi, and uh, here in Mississippi, uh, a, a lot of – there's a lot of that – hearty folk you know what i mean mm-hmm. and and in many respects like the dwarves are also kind of that that hearty folk and so part of that is that you know you want to make sure that uh you know as as your family grows if you, you might want to make sure that names get passed around example my brother is named for my uncle he or rather let me let me see my uncle is named for my grandfather uh and my uncle did not have children. He had he hadn't uh, he had not had children. But then my mother named her son, which is my brother, after her father, which he was named after. Which means that if he was to name his son after himself, we would now have two of that ch- that name in the family. You, you follow what I'm? Are you picking up what I'm putting down? Sure. Or? Yeah. Pretty <laughs> okay. pretty much. Yeah. I mean, the, I the dropped it a is, few times, but yeah, it's still intact. 
All right. So the point is that names don't necessarily de- like uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're part of a direct lineage, uh, and the same is true, of course, for the dwarves as well. So, for example, Dane the Second Ironfoot, if I'm not mistaken, uh, named his son Thorin the Third after his cousin Thorin the Second, uh, who you are correct. So Thorin, not that I'm aware of, I don't believe Thorin the Second uh, had any children, did he? No, I no, he did not. No, of course not, because he died. Uh, yeah, so yeah, so no, at, then yeah, so from that standpoint, Dane, uh, Dane the second, who I think last week, if I'm not mistaken, our last episode, I, I called him Dane the third, but I was referring to Dane the second, uh, names his child Thorin the third in honor of Thorin the second, his friend and cousin, uh, who at that point would have been dead. So it's kind of a nice way to to pay homage to uh, to his cousin. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I'm, which is. You know, it's nice. It's it's a nice it's a nice gift he gave him. Yeah, absolutely. And you know that that you know they're, they're all they're all connected, right? Like that's the thing. Every all all the all the cousins are all all the dwarves are all all related. It all goes back to Durin, baby. Exactly. It all goes back to Durin. And Thorin the Third, Thorin Stormhelm, is the king of the dwarves when Gimli joins the Fellowship to bring him right back to our intro. So there we go for people who are maybe have no idea what we're talking about. Let's let's hope they've got some content I've got that for you Alright, so anyway I have, moving on I have another I have another email from Tessie, which is a little which is a little long, but it's good because I think it speaks to uh, the maybe the quality of Tolkien fan that's out there, and so I, I wanna I wanna read the whole thing. And so gear up, get your sunglasses on or whatever you do to gear up. Here we go. Hi, Melon. Yeah, which is good, right? This is already good. Yeah. yeah. I want to... Mike's in my way. Can't read when the mic is in my way of the screen. I want to start by saying how much I love your podcast. It is original and inspiring. This is see why I wanted to read the whole thing, because it makes oh, us feel good yeah, about yeah. ourselves. That's, I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good. My name is Tessie. I'm Mexican, new to the city of Los Angeles. Actress. How predictable, right? But the thing is, <laughs> I waited all my life. That was in the email, just so people know that I did not. That was not in direction <laughs> of my comment. But the thing is, I waited all my life to have an opportunity to explore my craft in this country. Let me give you some context before I pitch my idea for an upcoming ser- Amazon series about the Lord of the Rings. So she yeah. has her own pitch for us. So here we go. I read Lord of the Rings for the first time at seven years old. Seven. Seven years old. My brother was a big fan of the books. I first read them in Spanish and became obsessed. Read them all. The Silmarillion, The Hobbit, The Unfinished Tales, all of it. Then I started to read them in English, and I finally read them in French. Haha, such an obsession. When the movies came out, I was a lost teenager filled with awkward and nerdiness, and why not? To add to the sugar coat, a loner in my own world of fantasy. I went to see the movies, and I was completely absorbed, even if they do not cover or touch entirely upon what the books say. But you know, they already... But you know that already, and it is not my intention to judge or become a critic in this matter. The thing is, I saw Fellowship 47 times in theaters. I became aware of every single piece of dialogue, voice, tone, intonation, and music piece in each film. The Two Towers was 34 times, and Return of the King was 35. I don't even know how many kilos of vegetables and chili and lime I sold at school (laughs) to pay for the movie ticket. Later, I went to a marathon with my cousins to a movie theater, and we saw the three extended versions of the movie theater in the uh, the movie, the same extended versions of the movie uh, the same day. 
It was a little tiring, but worth every second. The Hobbit films I saw less because the movie theaters were more expensive. And let's not forget, I'm still I'm still a working, uh, a struggling working artist. I remember sending posters I made, collages, and everything to the fan club of the LOTR movies. I sent a ton of stuff to Elijah Wood and spent a lot of Mexican pesos to do so. My <laughs> entire teenage room was covered in Lord of the Rings, and my daughter will be named Melania or Melania. I haven't decided Ooh. yet, but I do swear. Anyway, I just wanted to share my crazy obsession with the books in the entire universe. I'm a self-learner of Sidarian, though in, in taking me forever because of the work and acting and millions of jobs to support my passion. But hey, this is how it works. So anyway, so she moves on to, um, so sorry for the novel, but here we go. She moves on to a pitch, which is actually going to tie to a bit of our news, I think. What if they showed us when Sauron develops the master plan and he forges the rings to deceive the other races? I would personally love to see how they are given the rings and what they are promised out of them on screen. And then see him forging the one ring alone, a great opportunity to get to know Sauron beyond just a big evil eye. And yes, please, Tom Bombadil has come on board at some point. His universe is so rich in the books and has yet to be explored on screen. Thank you for reading me and hope to hear from you soon with gratitude, Tessie. Okay, that's a fantastic idea. Is, I love that idea. Yeah, me too. Me too. And I actually want to leave it there for just a hot second because it's going to come. It's going to come. Yeah, back yeah. With it some is. Of the it's news. definitely going to come back with some of the news. But 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 can I just say? All right, let me, let me just let me just mention this because I mean, I, I, you're right. It's kind of hard to even address that without jump, jumping into what's going to come next. But first of all, like. We, we kind of touched on this already, but the idea of kind of diving a little bit beyond the black and white and into some of the gray, like unpacking a character like that, mm-hmm. uh, that we've only just known as kind of the embodiment of evil could be really interesting. Like that's been attempted in other media and other franchises before to uh, varying degrees of success. But obviously there was a point in time in which these the peoples of middle earth felt comfortable enough to accept these gifts you know what i mean mm-hmm. like there there's there's something there but like you said we should probably wait and talk about that in a few minutes here yes i agree yeah but i think there really is there is something there like he's we talked about you know exploring the gray matter of middle earth and so that could be an angle but anyway let me let me get into it because tessie sent us another email and um, she has she has another pitch for us, a smaller one this time. It says, talking with some Lord of the Rings fan friends the other day, we came up with a great pitch. What about the story of the Witch King of Angmar? Show his story, magic, evil plans. We'd love to see how the Nazgul came to be because they are a crucial part in the Lord of the Rings quest. Um, let me know what you think about this. In my quest of getting into the series, I met the visual effects supervisor for all the... Lord of the Rings and Hobbit films. And it was incredibly exciting sharing a conversation about his experience. Oh, that's awesome. P.S. The last episode you just released was about the exiled elf. Dwarves can be cool too. I really enjoyed the pilot pitch until the next episode. Have an awesome holiday. Isn't that great from Tessie again? Tessie got awesome taste. Thank you very much, Tessie. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very much enjoyed putting that together. And obviously, Tessie is big on the villains. She she wants to dive into the uh, the psyche of the villains as the main character. Um, you know, I I you know I, I will say this: like in general, it has been 
it's a challenge to make the villain somebody that you want to root for because you have to walk a line there. Like at the end of the day, we have to hate them eventually, especially if you're telling a prequel, but we have to be able to root for them enough in the early. So, all right, I'm I'm just going to go ahead and make the comparison here. So if you look at game of Thrones, right. uh, If if you look at what they did with Jamie uh, Lannister, you know, the, the, the dichotomy of the character, or rather the kind of circumventing the expectations for what you what you would think, right? Like the the golden-haired, pretty boy, white knight coming in is actually this villainous person. But then they gave him complexity. And, and, it, and so it wasn't just, oh, we're subverting your expectations. No, this is a complex character with a lot of, you know, things to root for him and also to kind of root against him. And but but what are they going to ultimately fall on? Well, he's probably ultimately not going to be that complex character. He's just going to end up being a hero. And so, you know, the, the the problem with a lot of the times the exploration of the villains as kind of a primary character or putting them in that protagonist way is that there is a tendency for those characters to end up becoming heroes. Uh, one of my favorite characters from uh, the DC television series, uh, the the Flash, um, Captain Cold, they had like he was he was one of my favorite villains when he was first introduced, and then they kind of made him a main character on another show, Legends of Tomorrow, and because they took this villain out and made him a part of this protagonist protagonist team, he ends up dying a hero. It's so it's it's a challenge. That's the main thing. I'm not saying it can't be done. But it would take a really strong writing team to be able to dive into the complexities of the character, make us want to be there for long for the ride, but still be able to hate them in the long run. You know what I mean? No, I, I absolutely I absolutely agree. And I think – Oh, you know what? Sorry. Let me just throw this one in here. Sure. A, a good example actually of where this has been done well is to, to kind of disprove myself and prove that this can be done well is uh, the Star Wars animated series The Clone Wars – the way they told the character of Anakin Skywalker, who's obviously somebody that you're pulling for because he's a Jedi, but we all know as an audience where he's going to end up. And in many respects, as you're kind of going along that journey and you even knowing where he's going to go, it actually makes the, the, you know, the journey all the richer. But now that I'm saying that I realize, but he redeems himself in the end and kind of does this big heroic thing. Ah, yeah. I, I, I was actually going to, I wasn't going to say it, but I was like, but what about the rest of his journey, but I understand. He still, he still dies a villain though. I mean, like he does a heroic thing by saving his son and arguably he's redeemed. What, you know what? This is the star Wars TV talk podcast. That's another podcast. That's another this is show. TV talk. Yeah, that's right. So, but I, I, I'm not sure. I, I'm honestly not sure how Tolkien would feel about taking his villains and, and turning them from morally black characters or morally gray characters, because mm. the part of the, one of the big components of the Lord of the Rings, it's like these are the good guys and these are the bad guys. And there are very, very few people in between. And really, it's basically just Boromir and Denethor that are kind of in between. And right, right, right. And even then, you can't really blame Boromir because of what the ring has done to him. And then Denethor is. Uh, I mean, no, Bor- you can, you can't, but he was definitely tainted by the ring you know what i mean so maybe he was like he's a great person if the ring never came into his life at all so i would say that the ring spoke to something that was already within him as a character so i kind of saw him as a flawed person which sure Mm -hmm. and, and so the ring just kind of 
he was more susceptible to the ring because of that. Um, but I don't think like the, like, I don't think he was like this upstanding, you know, Aragorn esque person that just all of a sudden wanted the precious, you know what I mean? Sure. You know what? I will, I will heed to that, to that point. That's a, that's a, that's an excellent point. But my, but the overall, the idea is that these are the good guys and these are the bad guys. And in right, that yeah. was very specific. That was very specific to, to Tolkien. So I don't know how, not that we have to say like, absolutely respect you know his wish all the way all the way through because you know the rights are are not in you know in his hands the same way anymore because he has passed but also because you know they got sold off a long time ago and you've got to make compelling stories out of and sometimes just good versus evil is not super compelling yeah so I, I I don't know, but I would like to see more of it, which actually gets into this actually gets into the the news and so I to to wrap it back around. So um, a little while ago, just actually a few days ago of recording this, Amazon tweeted out a map of Middle Earth, um, which linked to their Lord of the Rings site on on Amazon Prime. Yeah, yeah, man. Right. Finally. And finally, we have something. We have, it's not much, but we have something. It is literally not a lot because the map has has all the geographical features, and it's very similar to those who have seen Middle-earth maps before, but there's no text. There's no names of the regions. There's no names of the mountains, anything like that. Yeah. So if you know the map, you can, you'll know a bit of where everything is, but... The One Ring dot net was kind enough to do a little bit of a, a deep dive, uh, a, like a surface shallow dive analysis of the ring. I mean, of the of map as much as possible, and it turns out that there's a little bit more to the map than we would normally see published on in the traditional maps that are published in back of the the Lord of the Rings. So I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read this from the One Ring dot net. All right. Upon further examination, something that struck me immediately is that the map extends much further east than looked familiar. Sure enough, when I compared to the maps in several of many editions of Lord of the Rings, the mountain range to the east of the Sea of Rune doesn't exist in Tolkien's maps. I corroborated this with the maps of Karen Wynne Fostad's The Atlas of Middle-Earth and Brian Sibley's mm. The Map of Tolkien's Middle-Earth. Uh, nowhere could I find that mountain range in what appears to be a forest next to it on Tolkien's map, and they believe that is the clue. That there is no text describing any geographical features is probably part of the tease. Putting a name to those regions is more than they wanted to give away just yet. Could this dovetail into previous clue that suggested the new series might follow a young Aragorn? We know that from the text and appendices of Lord of the Rings that Aragorn traveled extensively in his younger years. The only text of the tweet that accompanies the map was three rings for the elven kings under the sky, which, of course, is the first line of the ring verse. Could that mean the elves are connected to the new region? Uh, or, since Sauron is the one who first uttered those words, does it imply Sauron will make an appearance? So, Bo, your thoughts? Ye yeah. Okay. So obviously, there's there's a lot to unpack in this little to unpack. Um, not only do we get in this map, I think it, I think it's worth noting. Not only do we get further east in this kind of mountain range that we haven't seen before. If you actually look at the map itself, we also have some kind of like fogged over areas of the map as well. Mm. So the northern portion of the map and the southeastern portion of the map are l large land masses, but not necessarily filled in. And so 
perhaps what we're actually seeing is the beginning of filling out the map even further um, so that we might actually end up, you know, seeing some new locations from that standpoint. This was something that I, you know, when, when I was baking in my, uh, my pitch, I knew that there needed to be a little bit more of an expansion of uh, the map. And, and so I kind of felt like, you know, that this might be something that we see and it looks like that might be the case. There's a lot of story potential that opens up when you create new spaces like this because, you know, you're not as beholden to what's been written before and you are allowed to kind of break the rules or expand the universe by literally expanding uh, the known universe that we've we've played around in. So that's that's great. The other thing, po, of course, po, I'm, yeah. I'm sorry, live information. I was just clicking on the Amazon site as you oh, were talking and there are words there now on the map. Oh, okay, okay, okay. This is live information. This is happening right now. Okay, right now. Nobody. Wow. Look at go us. Okay, so if we're looking at breaking news, breaking breaking reveals. So if we're looking at the map, we have this is definitely second age. I would say second age, right? So we have. If we down at the bottom, we have Harad and Khand and Mordor as uh, in. Rune, Rofnia, Fraudway, uh, Ariador, Linden. These are all these are all regions that have yet to be explored cinematically at all. Well, well there you go. Well, look at that. Well, look at that. I was not prepared. I was not prepared for that. And now that there is something on the map, I am. I gotta pull up. I gotta pull up another. Um, Lord of the Lord of the Rings map here. Wow, that's crazy. So anyway, what, I cut you off. But yeah, what, what while you're you uh, while you're while you're pulling up the uh, the map and doing a little uh, cross examination here. The the other thing that I wanted to point out was, you know, the the verse that is being used. Um, you know, from from the ring, uh, the the ring lines, right, where they go through. You know, the the uh, you know, three for the Elven King, seven for the Dwarves, twelve for the Lord of Lord, uh, Realms of Men. Twelve, I believe, twelve, right? That. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 12. Um, I'm dyslexic. I don't know if I've ever mentioned that before. Which, by the way, when you're dyslexic and reading Tolkien, it does not make for an easy experience. No, I'm actually – I'm also <laughs> dyslexic, so I yeah. – I, oh, my goodness. It is yeah. – it can get very difficult. But so, you know, so one of the things I think that's important to note in the announcement is they didn't just say three three rings for the, the Elvins or the, for the mm-hmm. Elven Kings. They, there is specifically a comma that follows. The idea is that as more information is revealed, we're likely to fill out – that line that we're actually going to, you know, uh, basically it's, it's kind of a point of reference that pulls us in. Now I, I potentially interpret this in two different ways. One is that they're literally just using one of the most well-known lines from the film franchise that brought us into the universe. It's one of the best world building, uh, monologues in, in film history, especially given how much work had to be done to establish a universe so quickly. Um, and of course, you know, yes, I know the, the lines come from the books, but I'm just saying the way in which they were used for the films was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think that what either, either they're just use utilizing that kind of recognizable line to pull you in, or it could be that we're building to something. And if that's the case, what are we building to? Well, of course the one ring to rule them all. And so perhaps what we are seeing is a pointing not to the elves, not to the dwarves, not to men, but specifically to the Dark Lord himself. What if, 
as was uh, uh, proposed early on in the episode, what if in fact a like a primary character that we're going to see in this film is actually the necromancer? Because I mean, we don't necessarily, I suppose, a hundred percent know this is a prequel, right? Like it's still uh, actually. So I had so based on my based on my snooping. I have some information that will help narrow us down. All right. So up until this moment, everybody's been assuming it's a prequel. And a lot of the, uh, a lot of the nods seem to indicate that it would be a prequel, but Tim's about to drop down some knowledge that is going to validate that. In fact, it is a prequel. What, what what have you found? So it is a prequel. So, and the show definitely takes place early third age. So this is what I've discovered. Thank you. Screenrant.com. I will, I will link the, this article in the show notes as with the one ring information. So it says here, looking at both versions of the Lord of the Rings TV show map on middle earth, it can be deduced that the map is an early to mid third age based on a specific point. The Mirkwood forest can be seen under the label, of Rovanian. Okay, so it's like the middle of the map. Like, okay. So if you're looking at Mordor, it's like a little diagonally up from Mordor over there. And it has an indentation on the eastern side. There's like a big divot that's like yep. a space empty. As a result, um, that's a result of an event known as the East Bite of Mirkwood, forestry that occurred during the Third Age of the Northmen. Okay? So that points you in the, th- that points you in the Third Age right there. Hmm. Furthermore, it doesn't seem possible the Lord of the Rings series will focus on a young Aragorn either, as it has been rumored for about a year now, because the map also shows a region of cloud. Speaking of speaking of dyslexia, butchering names. Yeah, Yeah, here he comes. Kalenarhan, Kalenarhan, C A L E N A R D H O N, Kalenarhan. I love Tolkien, but sometimes. It just hurts. So that's a little bit down from that's a little bit down from Ravathian, okay? And a kingdom that eventually transformed into the kingdom of Rohan in the third age. Okay. So since Aragorn was born until a little over four hundred years after the founding of Rohan, it's pot it's impossible for the show to focus on him unless there is unless there is a time jump. So Looking at that, this is so whatever. Whenever our story actually takes place, you're talking pre Rohan, which is pre 400 years. Wow, you know before Aragorn. So, so he's not a player. In that case, I'm going to lean more into the idea that Sauron is actually active. At like this, this may be more of a exploration of Sauron and possibly even Gandalf. It could be it could be more Gandalf than than Sauron because Sauron is quote unquote defeated in the second age, right? Thirty four, yeah. thirty four, thirty four of the second age. So, um, so if this is the third, if this is the beginning of the third age, this is immediately this is this could be pretty much immediately following the downfall of Sauron the first time. Interesting. Okay, so here's a question for you. Like this, this, this to me, this kind of shifts everything that we've been assuming. Because I mean, like the the general well thought out or, or you know the safe bet was that this was going to be an Aragorn series. That's right. But it very well could be a Gandalf series. And if that ends up being, if that does end up being the case, you know, we know that Gandalf in his purest form and his most primordial form is not you know, necessarily what we see 
uh, in the books and, and in the films. I mean, we've obviously also seen his resurrection and kind of a transformation of sorts, although a, a minor one of just a, you know, I, I, you know, put on a white cloak as opposed to a gray cloak. Uh, but, he also but, cuts his hair. Even. I'm sorry. Yes, he, he uh, you know, he, he does. He does cut his hair um, because it's straightened. But here's the deal. That aside, theoretically speaking, he could at any given time be in a different form. Like we could, for all intents and purposes, and I use quotations here, have a young Gandalf, right? Yes, though I think I think think I mean, the Lord of the Rings is a true ensemble piece, right? And so I I would I would be surprised if if the show was also not an ensemble piece. Oh yeah, no no no, I I agree, but but so this it's kind of like what I was saying like what I was saying before. They could give you kind of some touch points with characters that you recognize, but then establish new characters around them. I think you'd you know? I think you'd have to, especially because even though you could say like it's Lord of the Rings, it's Tolkien, it, it, it's any of these things, there still has to be something for the audience to go, "Oh yeah, I I know that character, and that's mm-hmm. a, you know that's enough to keep people playing when it's just Middle Earth and the names aren't familiar, the 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 places, the people. It, sometimes it might be a little bit too much for people to swallow, and yeah. so like maybe maybe Gandalf is your your eyes of the audience. You know that, huh? Okay. Interesting, interesting. You know, so here's a couple other thoughts too. If it's going to be that early on, especially kind of with the uh, the downfall of uh, um, Sauron the first time, would, would it be possible then? Since Tolkien based so much Lord of the Rings on World War II, would it be possible that he this would say series- that he would say that he didn't? But Yes. Well, okay, but well, this new document, we, we're about to talk about that. But the uh, the docudrama or whatever you want to call it, Tolkin film that's going to come out, we'll argue differently <laughs> than Tolkien a, I think I'd call it a biopic, not a docudrama. A biopic, what, whatever you want to call it. The point is that the, the new film is going to definitely uh, make some, some direct ties there, as mm-hmm. many historians have in terms of the influence. But regardless, it's possible that some of the historic influence for this series may actually come from World War I uh, as kind of a, a predating there. Now I'm curious, based on the year, what year did you say it was? The 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 estimated year uh, that the map it says seems beginning to... beginning of third beginning of to middle of third, based on Rohan not being on the map yet. Okay, all right. So Cal- the third age, Cal Kalenar Kalenarhan, something like that. Um, Kalenarhan. Is the 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 area that became Rohan? It's not there yet. So, and it takes Rohan four hundred years to show up from the start of the Third Age. Gotcha. All right. I'm just trying to think of who would be the Dwarven king at this at this time. It probably would oh. not be Dane the First. It probably predate him. Um. Which, by the way, I don't know if anybody captured got this, but Dana, my character Dana, was you know she she chose that name specifically because of the. Anyway, <sighs> Dane the first was born in the third age, twenty four forty. So, huh? So you're talking, you're talking quite a ways before, quite a but ways. Moria, Moria. All right, one way or the other, Moria would actually be like jumping at this time. Like it would not. It, this is well before it would have fallen. Uh, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, yeah. If you're talking early third age, 
So that that might give us a touch point that we that you know we as an audience can connect with, We're, because it gives us something that we we recognize, you know, the quote unquote mines of Moria, right? But we pop in there, and no, it's not a mine. It's it's like a you know massive dwarven metropolis, and not just like thirteen hundred pillars that we saw in the movie. Right. Yeah. Actually, I would love to see. I would. I would really love to see more than just pillars. Truly. Um, you're looking at YT1050 to YT1250. So yeah, Mori has been Mori has been hopping for some time already. Yeah. 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 So that that might be interesting if places are going to end up playing pretty heavily. And um, yeah, any excuse to kind of dive back into uh, some deep dwarven lore, I'm, I'm all about. All right, so so we're now starting to lean towards the idea that this could be a Mer- uh, Merlin. This could be a Gandalf series. Uh, however, you know, don't let's not throw about, it out. Don't forget about the elves. You know, because that that text with the with that text with the tweet is three rings for the elven kings under the sky. Yeah, okay, yes, but remember, those are characters that, that, we know. Those are characters sure. we know for the audience. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So that gives us some touch points as well. Okay, so this is where you're saying that you think the ensemble is going to be Gandalf rolling around with the with the elves. I mean, maybe Gandalf, maybe not Gandalf. I'm not sold on Gandalf being there, but I would be more sold on seeing Galadriel or um, Celeborn. Um, oh my God, what's his name? Help me out here, Arwen's, Mr. Anderson. Arwen, yeah, Arwen's dad. Help me, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Anderson. Yeah. Uh yes. Him. It's late, Bo, and I'm I'm losing my mind. Elrond. Oh man. <laughs> man, it it oh, there Elrond. It, anyway, so You got you got whew, that. Man, that hurt. That hurt. Anyway, um so I'm banking on seeing Galadriel, Celeborn and Elrond more than anybody else. Uh. Interesting. Okay, yeah. But again, there's a comma there, man. Like, you're right. If the idea is that perhaps we see some of these characters, um, then obviously those are touch points for us because other than the Witch King, there's nobody else that we really get to spend time with in the series that was a ring, an original ring bearer. Right, which is, which is fine. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm, that's that's, fine. I'm, I'm down. That's fine. I'm down. That's fine. I don't know. I'm a little elfed out for me me personally. Yeah, um yeah. I mean, I don't think they're going to be your I I th- you they're very at the end of the second age beginning of the third, they're still like pretty sweeping through Middle-earth, so like yeah. you're going to see elves. Like it's Oh yeah, no, I guess what I mean is like elves have historically been relatively uninteresting. You know what I mean? They're just they're they're this kind of aristocratic, better than you know, holier than thou, you know, yeah, looking down on everyone else. Uh, yeah, to to an extent, I, I I I don't disagree, but I think be, you it would be crazy to ignore them. Um, oh sure, 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 sure. No, you're right. This is this is a time when they are very much in power. Uh, you know, the, the, the world is their oyster from that standpoint. You know, I, I'm, I would very much like to see the hand, hand out of the rings. Like, I want to see what was going down there. And, you know, perhaps this is probably explored in the Cimmerillion or, or maybe in some uh, archival uh, uh, lore that I'm, I'm not familiar with. But, like, you know, what, what was that conversation like? What was that meeting like? What was the, the you know, the, the reasoning for accepting these gifts 
Um, you know, I, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Sauron was in disguise, I believe, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. And so I know that that's an aspect of it as well. But still, like, like th- there is a really interesting story that they could tell if they wanted to um, with perhaps even Sauron as a main character, but you don't know it's him. Sure. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. And that could be fascinating. Be a, that would be a great season one twist. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. There, There's there's so much that we don't know yet, but we do know a little bit more with our live update. So there we go. Look at that. Look at that. Now, I Bo, it. I want to move on to the next thing that, we, uh, that we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about the Tolkien movie trailer that came out pretty recently. Tolkien is a, a, a biopic film starring Nicholas Holt. That is as the title character that is scheduled to come out on May 10th in the U.S. And it is mostly about Tolkien's time in World War One. And it's been like these are the things that influenced him to write the book. It's I think it's honestly a film that Tolkien would have hated. Um, so let me tell you something. I mean, like as as obviously a, a fan of Tolkien and, and his works and just kind of the um, you know the the sources what inspired him. You know, as a you know, as a, as a fan of pipe smoking and someone who who loves the the imagery mm-hmm. of Tolkien kicking back, smoking his pipe, you know, chilling with Lewis and talking of you know solving all the world's problems with fantasy, like I, I I'm I'm all about like learning more and and I I love biopics, man. I, you know, even even though they're oftentimes you know rose colored in in their approach to characters and glossing over this or you know, telling more idealized versions of the characters as opposed to, you know, the actual historic individuals. You know, I get that. I get that that happens. And I know that that's part of the, you know, the the film fantasy in and of itself. So I'm all for this movie. But I got to tell you, man, like, we, you know, we, we will see this in theaters. We will. As the host of Tolkien TV Talk, as, as, the, as the fellowship, oh, we no are seeing question. this in theaters. Looks beautiful. It, it does look beautiful. fantastic, but let me tell you something, man. That bad boy is coming out like what two days after uh, Avengers Endgame. Like that movie is going to be in theaters for a week and a half, and then it was going to dominate Netflix. Don't get me wrong; it is going to have a strong life after after the big screen. But I would be shocked if it actually does well at the box office. You know it. You know I had the same reaction. Not even thinking about it comes out two weeks after Endgame, so. Not a terrible amount of time, but... Yeah, you know what I'm going to be doing two weeks after watching Endgame? Going to see Endgame again. I'm going to go see Endgame again. That's exactly right. So, I mean, like, it's one of these things where, you know... I'm literally (laughs) holding an Iron Man action figure while talking to you. So, like, you don't have to explain... You don't have to explain yourselves to me, but... Exactly. And look at the way that they're marketing this film, too. Because they're using all the visualization that connects you to Lord of the Rings... And it's almost – you almost get the sense in the marketing that there's something of a bait and switch here. Like we know as fans of the man, you know what I mean? We know as, as, as you know, uh, fans of his work and people that know his, 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 his history, we recognize what they're doing here. But as the common person off the side of the road, like, oh, y'all see they're making the new Lord of the Rings movie? Yeah, it's uh, Tolkien or something like that. And it's got a whole new ring and it flips up there. Looks a little low budget from the ones in uh, uh, Zealand new, so you know. But I'll probably see it. Oh wait, but there, there's another Avengers movie, so I probably won't. You know, I love this new character that you have just brought into our lives. 
That's the guy on the street, man. Literally the guy that's on my street right now. Wow. Like he's he's outside looking into my mirror as, or window as I'm, as I'm talking. Your street is so colorful. It's like living in To Kill a Mockingbird. It's pretty amazing. Um, yeah. So, no, the – I don't disagree with you at all. It's funny because I, before recording this episode, I was at the movies and they showed it. They showed the trailer before the, before the film that I saw. So I got to see it on big screen, which was fun. And it plays really well. And I was watching it, and I'm like, I know what these images are. I know that's right. supposed to be the Balrog, and that's a ring wraith, and that's the, oh, that's the fellowship, and you know, like. But it's but it's not like like these are all moments that the ideas that they're showing they're just, is stuff that will they're just visual us. cues, right? But exactly, but I know the subtext. I don't know if the people in the film, I don't know if the people sitting there get it. Like, do you do you get? Those those images, or do you just think those images are cool? Do you think that that soldier in World War One is actually going to fight a giant flame monster? Like, do you think that's what this movie is about? And so, I I don't I honestly don't. I think it looks for me as a fan because I know I think it visually very stunning, looks cool. I it is definitely going to be more of the um, maybe finding Neverland variety, right? You know right. if that makes sense. Like the oh yeah, see like this 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 kid who doesn't want to grow up. I see that's that's where my influence is going to be, you know. And you know I, it feels a little bit it feels a little bit like that. Yeah, and I mean like to some extent that's probably fine. To <sighs> It almost feels like this movie exists to promote the fact that there's an Amazon series coming. Almost. Almost. Except that this is – it's not produced by Amazon, so we can't really make that no, claim. No, but I mean like at the same time, the Tolkien estate I would imagine has some sort of connection here. I would assume that they they are in some way involved in you know, arguably the most famous member of their family, a movie about their – about – his life or at least a very yeah. particular moment in his life yeah so it'll, it'll be interesting to see i you know i i mean don't get me wrong we're gonna see it we'll review it i'm sure i'm sure it'll be great i have no reason to think that it won't be very enjoyable i just i have a i have a bad feeling about this so to speak in terms of you know the the actual box office reaction i i have a feeling it's gonna bomb i think it's gonna bomb hard and i hate that but Whoever is releasing it at the time and place that they're releasing it, they clearly know what they're doing, and I don't know why they're doing it, but they have their reasons. So, yeah. I mean, traditionally, biopics don't do like super money. You know what I mean? It's 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 not no, that but I mean, like of... you look at like Ray or um, shoot, what came out that like uh, Walk, Walk the Line? Sure, the Johnny Cash movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, those those films are fantastic. Yeah, those are also musicals. Their Oscar, I think they both won Oscars, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, well, but a film being good doesn't necessarily mean that it makes money. No, that's true. You know, a film getting awards doesn't mean that it makes money. It just means that it got awards. Yeah, okay. They don't, okay. They don't, always, equate, they don't always equate together. But it, it, Tolkien, the, the way that first trailer plays, it feels like a movie for people who, who are in the know and I, mm. I, people who just don't know won't see it. I disagree. I think that trailer was meant for the guy on the street who just thinks that, like, all of a sudden there's a new Lord of the Rings movie. I don't know. I, I just 
We're not that know. guy, man. We can't get into his head. But I think whoever did that, like, is doing it for that guy. I don't know what you're talking about. You were just in, you just were that guy. You were just no, in, I wasn't yeah, me. I that was the, this guy outside my window. Oh man, I'm not talking to him now. That guy sounds fun. So anyway, I I think I think it looks very pretty, and I think he'd have scoffed at being like. I didn't have like th- like three best friends in the military that like turned into, you know, the you know the four hobbits, you know what I mean? Like I just it just feels kind of corny that way. It's like a very pretty yeah. corny, but it could just be the mo- way the movie the trailer is cut. Trailers can be extremely deceptive. This is true. Extremely yeah, this is very deceptive. True. And so I don't want to say this is what the movie is without actually seeing the movie. So, so I'm, I'm, I'll be there. Believe me. Oh, like I, I will, I will definitely see it. There's no, no question. Uh, even if they say it's, it's bad, I still want to see it. Um, oh yeah, no, we'll be there. We'll be there opening day. We'll be there opening day. And we'll make sure that we do a movie review too. And, uh, who knows? Maybe we'll call that one Tolkien movie talk. Tolkien movie talk. I like it already. I like it. It's good. All right. Well, Bo, do you have any other business? Um, man, a lot of business. A lot, a lot of business that's going on uh, over here. You know, just on a personal note, I think I'll I'll just share this real quick. I'm uh, I'm going through a move right now, and so um, you know, if I sound a little different this episode, then that is part of the reason why. But uh, hopefully, by the time that we we get the fellowship, the real fellowship, all back together again, man, I'll, I'll be in a little bit of a, a better sound quality as I. Uh, embark on my new quest to Houston, Texas. Um, so if anybody's out in Houston, uh, give me a holler. Let me know where, where the, the cool spots are. Uh, so, but beyond that, man, uh, be sure to check out, uh, country squire radio. If you, if you are also a fan of pipes and pipe tobacco, uh, that is a awesome place to, uh, to learn about the craft there. And then for those of you who also like TV of the superhero variety, flash TV talk, some say it's the number one, podcast about the cw's flash though some people everybody on itunes so check it out it's called the flash tv talk yeah that check that out bam that was good that was great that's a that was great enough segue if you wanted to find me in other places you can check out thoughtbubbleaudio.com for all thought bubble audio shows particularly supergirl tv talk since we're talking flash tv talk some would say it's the number one supergirl related podcast on the internet and that is also what itunes says so thank you very much to the tv talks <laughs> um and so you can also check uh, you can check me out on uh, Be With Geeks and Academy Rewind, the Academy Awards of the Sunday, and you bet that my co-host and I will be talking about them. So we have all of your geeky listening needs available to you. Uh, Andrew will hopefully be back with us in our next uh, in our next episode, which is a TBA. As you know, with this, we do not have a formal release schedule for the show yet because news is. News is scarce. The show is not. But it's coming. It's not man. on the air. But every episode, we're getting a little bit closer. There was a fun article that popped up into my newsfeed the other day that there is a fingerprint scanner and a, an armed guard in the, for the writers of the Lord of the Rings show. They have to oh, that's fingerprint scan to get into the writing room, and then there's an armed guard outside, which is crazy. But also pretty par for the course for franchises now. I mean. I remember years ago, Michael Caine saying that Christopher Nolan came to his house with the Batman Begins script, sat in his kitchen <laughs> talking to Mrs. Kane as as Michael read the script to play Alfred in the next room. 
That's fantastic. Yeah. Well, if anybody, by the way, is able to get in that writer's room, uh, tell them to listen to my, 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 my pitch. My my, uh, my sequel to Lord of the Rings pitch. If anybody connected to the Tolkien estate, uh, let them know. Listen, I want to. I would really like to at least make that into maybe an audio drama at some point. Like I, I really got behind. Like I, I got way too invested in some of those characters, and so I, I kind of almost feel the need to to see it through to something. I don't know what, but anyway, who knows what will come from that? Who knows but, yeah. what will come from it? But I'm I'm here for you if you need help. So there you go. All right. All right, well, until next time. Ah, you fools! <laughs>